Can you believe this is our second to last episode of this season? It's crazy. I can Um, What time to be alive. I've really enjoyed recording and I'm kind of sad that it is coming to an end so soon. Same, it's like a constant in my life. We need to figure out what we're doing. Then. But I am so freaking excited for the very last episode. So I think we are going to go out with a bang. Yes, exactly. And it, okay, let's start Kitty Winkles. Hello? No, th- hello. Uh, that, wait, I, sa- I said hello as if I were answering a phone call. Can we go again? <laughs> hello. Hello, my name's Asia. And my name's Mamba, and welcome to Audacious Aunties. Chat poetry. Amazing stuff. 11 episodes in, and we are getting there. So. I feel like this is trap. If we're 11 episodes in, that means that we're 11 weeks into, over 11 weeks into quarantine, right? Yes. Isn't that terrifying? Yeah, it is. I have found myself, especially this week, kind of hitting my point of absolute craze, where Mm -hmm. I think even in the mornings when I go out and do my breathing exercises, um, I just still find my mind kind of acting very restless. I've been finding it more and more difficult to go to sleep because every time I get into bed, I just, like, my mind is like, what's the point? You know what? This calls for a road trip. Let's go to Barnard Castle, kids. <laughs> Let's pack up your troubles. You're so right. You're I'm so ready. right. Okay. You listen to Paddy. You know, oh my God, what is the name the of song? that? The song. Is this the way to Barnard yeah. Castle? <laughs> it was so jokes. I'm so glad that I'm finally on Twitter, like properly. On Thursday um, at 8pm. If people are out clapping, me and my sisters are going to go out and sing the whole of it. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Actually, remember 8pm on Thursday is another matter because we have great difficulty. <laughs> well, maybe you should, instead of conforming to the time that you're given by this terrible government, why don't you just go out and do it whenever you feel like it? Take because a long walk. Take a long walk around the streets. Well, have you seen the amount of people who are walking outside these days? I'm sure you'll be no. heard. Anyway, I would love to get cracker-lacking. So, I'm super excited about the person who I'm doing today because I actually didn't prepare for this half an hour before we started this podcast. I prepared for this a year ago. So, <laughs> because we studied this poet in Spanish last year. And so you're like fully qualified to discuss this person. I guess I well, I'm the most qualified I've been so far to discuss this person, and I think that's a beautiful thing, you know. Go education, and I'm actually surprised that because a lot of the time I do think about what have I been learning at university, and I think this is proof that I have learned something. And I remember looking at her poems and just thinking, God, she's amazing. And I'm really glad that I actually remembered her for this series because if I didn't include her, I would have been very sad indeed. Mm-hmm. So now that I've given her a little introduction, I guess it's time to say who she is, the big reveal. Ready. So this girl's name is Alfonsina Storni. And very nice. she lived between 1892 and 1938 in Argentina. You know what I'm gonna say about this. Um, I don't think you like those numbers. Yeah, I don't. They're a bit all over the place. Yeah, I agree. But it's not satisfying. Yeah, I'm sorry, but you know what? Her poetry will satisfy you instead, so it's all good. 
Okay, so I interrupted you as you were saying where she lives. So where did she live? So she's an Argentine poet. Oh, very nice. Although she did live in Argentina, she was initially born in Switzerland. Mm -hmm. And so her parents were Italian-Swiss descent. And basically her father started a brewery in San Juan in Argentina. So he was just there having a good time producing beer and soda. But it didn't go very well for him and the business kind of went bust. Um, yeah. after a few years so then instead he kind of opened a tavern and Storni did a lot of work around there so from a young age she was doing a lot of work you know helping out the family business doing as much as she could lovely mm-hmm. um, however that failed quite soon after yeah. as well <laughs> poor <laughs> guy so I know and um, Wikipedia then told us that this caused her to write her first verse at the age of 12 um, it doesn't say what the verse whether or not the verse is linked to the tavern being closed down but apparently this was the beginning of her poetry career so I'm intrigued and I'm glad that something beautiful came out of a tavern being closed down. I know right? Mm-hmm. It's quite soon after that her father died so she began working in a hat factory to support her family. Um, Wait is she still in Sweden? No she's in Argentina so she was born in Switzerland but then I think at the age of four very early on in her life her family then went to Argentina got you mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. and so from then on in our story so far she's stayed in Argentina okay yeah she went to a hat factory worked there for a bit but then a year afterwards her interest in dance led her to join a traveling theatre company and I'm just gonna let that sink in for a while because I think that's wild that's so cool i know and i think it's a really great way at that time to see the world too mm-hmm. um because i would have joined this traveling um clown a carnival yes that's it i couldn't think of the word a traveling a clown, clown. one single clown Asia <laughs> <laughs> and the clown take on the world Asia, you should write a book called me and my clown <laughs> Talk about your adventures. I'll illustrate for it if you want. Oh, that is such a plan, man. <laughs> yeah, it is a great way to travel the world, you're right. And I think, because obviously the tourism industry wasn't that big back in the day, and I mean, you were only going to travel around the world if you were super rich or if you were going to entertain people, so she really... She was being creative, you know, in what she wanted to yeah. do. So go her, clicks to her. So after a while, she was having a good time. Um, but then she returned back to live with her mother, who was currently living in Bustinza, which I'm guessing is another place in Argentina still. And she became a primary school teacher there. Oh, cute. But at the same time, she was also working for like local magazines around the place and just, you know, trying to get her poetry out there as we're, as we're all trying to do, you know. And then soon afterwards, she moved to Buenos Aires because basically um, she had to seek anonymity. 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 She went to the big city to seek anonymity. That's beautiful. Yeah. And she met a man, fell in love with him, um, described him as an interesting person of certain standing in the community. He was active in the politics. I when my parent when I come home engaged and my parents say, Who are you married to? I'm not married, engaged to, I'll be like, there is a certain person 
engaged in specific interests in the community. <laughs> it's going to be a great time. Yeah, that didn't really go very well. At the age of 19, she found herself a journalist, a newspaper journalist. Yep. And she had a child with this person, but that didn't go well. And she became a single mother. Yeah. I think she had quite a lot of hardships because she was trying to juggle being a single mother alongside trying to earn a living with teaching, but then at the same time trying to pursue her passions in journalism, poetry and anything else, to be honest. So she had a lot on, on her plate and I think that this really forced her, especially being in Buenos Aires in like the big hub of Argentina, um, she got into women's rights activism. We love a bit of that. We love a lot of that. <laughs> and then... She also released a lot of theatre works as well. She had quite a lot of success in that, which is really interesting because apparently at that time, the theatre wasn't doing very well in Argentina, but for some reason her work was resonating with a fair amount of people. Yeah. But sadly, in 1935, she discovered a lump on her left breast and she went into operation and everything um, and everything was fine for three years, but then afterwards the lump came back and I think this was all quite a lot for her. So then on Tuesday the 25th of October, 1938, she, this is how Wikipedia describes this, Storni left her room and headed towards the sea at La Perla Beach in Argentina and died of suicide. Later that morning, two workers found her body washed up on the beach. Although her biographers hold that she jumped into the water from a breakwater, popular legend is that she slowly walked out to the sea until she drowned. Wow! I know! And that's... It's a really horrible way to die, and so many poets go out like that. Like, I originally thought of, like, Virginia Woolf, the way that she drowned and died from suicide and I mean it has such a strong holding because if she felt that she had to go and kill herself then you kind of think about maybe the possible hints that her poetry might have had in Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. trying to see what projected that journey yeah obviously this also resonated with quite a lot of other people as well because her death inspired um felix luna to compose the song called um alfonsina y el mar which translates to alfonsina and the sea oh i know and that has quite a poetic sense to it as well to because a lot of people like the idea of like looking at the sea and seeing the vast expanding unexplored you know (laughs) place that we've got ahead of us and i think so many people are intrigued by it but then this almost has well not almost it definitely does have a really sad twinge to it yeah but wow what happened to her child it doesn't say wikipedia doesn't want to tell me and the child doesn't have their own wikipedia page so i'm not quite sure what happened to the child yeah that's her life in a wikipedia article I'm excited to listen to her poetry because I feel like that will really help me get on a deeper level with who she was as a person. Yeah, um, I actually found it really hard this time trying to pick a poem that I liked 
well not that I liked that I wanted to share because there were too many that I liked but I have finally chosen one but then as we all know there's the choosing of the poem and then there's picking the right translation of the poem of course yes um but I've also found one so clicks to me and this is one of my favorite poems by her actually so I'm excited to share it with you the poem is called you want me white but then even the title can be translated in different ways as well because the Spanish version of it is Tu me quieres blanca and quieres is a noun which means to want or to love or the kind of like idea of wanting something but more as like a lust which can mm-hmm. turn into love mm-hmm. so that's where we are with the translation of the title of the poem but yeah, I'm gonna read it now. So um, sit tight and relax at the same time. Have a cup of tea and just mm-hmm. be in the moment. Okay, I'm ready. Amazing. So, <clears throat> you want me to be the dawn. You want me made of sea spray, made of mother of pearl, that I be a lily, chased above all others, of tenuous perfume, a blossom closed that not even a moonbeam might have touched me, nor a daisy call herself my sister. You want me like snow. You want me white. You want me to be the dawn. You, who had all the cups before you of fruit and honey, lips dyed purple. You, who in the banquet covered in grapevines let go of your flesh, celebrating Bacchus, You who in the dark gardens of deceit, dressed in red, ran towards destruction. You who maintain your bones intact, only by some miracle of which I know not. You ask that I be white? May God forgive you. You ask that I be chaste? May God forgive you. You ask that I be the dawn? Flee towards the forest, go to the mountains, clean your mouth, live in a hut, touch with your hands the damp earth, feed yourself with bitter roots, drink from the rocks, sleep on the forest, clean your clothes with salt peace from water, talk with the birds and set sail at dawn, and when your flesh has returned to you, and when you have put into the soil that through the bedrooms became entangled, then, good man, Ask that I be white. Ask that I be like snow. Ask that I be chaste. And that's the poem. Whoa. It's it's a really powerful poem to say. That the least. was so powerful. Yeah. Wow. There were so many aspects to that that I'm trying to wrap my head around. Yeah. One of the things that I liked about this poem, because there are a lot of poems talking about the idea of women having to be white to be beautiful and what I liked about Storni is that in this poem she looked at the man himself and how he was the complete opposite of what he was asking for yeah which I thought to see that kind of hypocrisy written in verse is just really eye-opening to some extent it's like I love the the beginning like the the increase in intensity mm-hmm. and like it seems that it starts off quite gentle and then it gets more and more um intense i don't know another word other than intense i agree say. um and then at the end it's sort of indignant and like a a reserve 
but like a stony reserve. Yeah, it's like she's called out the man finally. And mm-hmm. having done that, she can now sit back and kind of almost see his reaction to what she's yeah. just said and be like, okay, now look at yourself in the mirror, mate. And yeah. then tell me what you want me to be. And I agree. The beginning bit is so beautiful because when she talks about being like the mother of Pearl and being like the Dawn, you see the beauty in those words and kind of like carve out a beautiful face from that. And mm-hmm. in your mind, it kind of makes you think about what you perceive to be beautiful and how you think, oh my God, I'm finding all of these words to do with being white on a person so beautiful. So it's like, what is wrong with me for thinking this myself? Yeah, exactly. And this is really revolutionary stuff because we have to remember that she's living in the early 20th century and a lot of poetry like this doesn't really come out until the late 20th century. So she's a woman well ahead of her time as well. And especially because she's living in Argentina and I think that especially with the first wave of feminists and just the beginning roots of feminism, a lot of people think that it's to do with just the Western world and that it kind of had its roots in just America or England and other Western countries. And then you kind of forget to see the role that non-Western feminists played in the feminist movement and that rather than kind of going along with it, they were also keen advocators of moving it forwards themselves. Yeah. She's great. She's just so amazing. Like, you know, it's about her virginity and her purity mm-hmm. and stuff. But the imagery of the earth when she's talking to the man and saying, go and live your life, like almost immersing yourself in nature is mm-hmm. the equivalent of just living your life. Yeah. And then say, and then that line where she was like, and then tell me to be white at the end and it's like yeah you can't just be a porcelain white smooth clean person if you actually want to say that you have lived Mm -hmm. and experienced things yeah I like the way that she does kind of suggest that the man go to the forest and do all of those things as well because it's not like she's being particularly vicious about it and being like go and throw yourself off a cliff for crying out loud she's giving (laughs) aggressive but very constructive behavior in how to open a man's eyes up Mm -hmm. exactly i also like the bit where she talks about bacchus because Mm -hmm. obviously argentina very catholic country in this time period and so to kind of like relate it to a non-christian god kind of shows how the man is being very unchristian in his values, in both wanting a woman to be chased, but even by his own behaviour. And then afterwards, talking about the gardens of the sea, it's just carrying on this like biblical imagery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also Bacchus is from the, uh, well, it's the Roman name for the Greek god Dionysus. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I don't know, because in the one of the most famous mythological stories to do with the Bacchus like one of the most famous plays is um the Bacchae in that all of the women at the the end near the end they go into the woods and they're they're just going crazy and doing their ritual and dancing and shrieking and then they rip off the woman rips off her son's head but that's irrelevant (laughs) (laughs) she thinks he's a lion um but (laughs) 
that they're just before these men try to interfere and see what they're doing Mm -hmm. it's just these women dancing around the woods living their best life that's amazing and it's so weird as well because especially when you kind of think picture women dancing in the woods there's such a fine line between almost a unearthly kind of fairy-esque creature very pure but then there's also the idea of women going crazy and dancing around like witch-like and then trying to draw the line between the two is obviously non-existent because it's just the same thing. Yeah. And then when she talks about the guy going to the woods as well, can you imagine men doing that? Because for some reason I just can't. It will kind of end in like a Lord of the Flies, let's just kill each other off rather than happily dance in a circle kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah, like the women are all nice to each other. Mm. It's only when the men come that they get violent. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but yeah, this is... This is Stormy, and she's a legend. Wow, I'm definitely going to read more of her poetry. I loved that. Please do. And it was really interesting trying to look at the different translations as well this time, just because I myself can understand Spanish. And so trying to see how other people were trying to interpret different words, whether or not they were using various um, grammatical devices that the author intended or just going crazy by themselves with how to translate it was really cool. I really enjoyed it. Maybe yeah. maybe I should try translating some of her poems myself. Oh, yeah, do it. Translate her poems and then send them over to me and I'll read them. I shall do. But yeah, I think... That's it. Do you have anything else to say about this poem? Ooh, I feel like we've covered most of it. Yeah, we got through her very efficiently. I think what one point I might make is that if we're linking, because you were mentioning earlier about linking her poetry to her mind and her thought process, especially in the time leading up to her death. Mm-hmm. And I get, I don't know, this poem sort of tells me that she, her conflict with society's expectations and her own expectations of herself, Mm -hmm. and I think they were probably at war, especially for the time that she's living in, were at war with each other a lot. Yeah, especially living in Argentina, even in Buenos Aires, which is the most liberal city, like, just because it is the capital at the moment, and then still having to write anonymously, have an anonymous name and everything, she's having to Mm -hmm. hide a lot about herself from people. Yeah, I think... Yeah, it just seems as though in her poetry she can live her true self. Yeah, it's stunning. I'm so impressed by this lady. Oh, that mm-hmm. also reminds me. Um, also, just like her life as a whole as well, because you think about a lot of famous people and renowned authors and stuff, and you think about their kind of trajectory to getting to their like fame and success as a very narrow one path leads to everything and I think Storni is a good example of how she's had to overcome so many different things and her life has been a roller coaster to say the least and it's not kind of that the poetry was making her famous as famous as she is right now at the time but kind of it was just a nice way of leading her life without having to define it yeah and I think it's just a good reminder that success is what we make of it. Clicks. That's beautiful, man. Thank you. I love this lady. 
I can't say how much I love this lady and I'm so grateful to my university for introducing her to me. I have learned something at university, everybody. Let it be known, mum and dad. And that's the tea on university. Wow. Thank you. Next week. Oh my gosh, it's our last episode. It is. I don't think we should reveal to the people who our poet is, but just know that we have somebody planned and I guarantee They're going to shake up the community. You will be shook at what is about to come your way for the season finale. I agree. It's going to be wild. Indeed, I agree. (laughs) Alrighty. Well, I guess we're done. We need a jingle. That was lovely. Every week I try to jazz it up. I can tell. Thank you. I'm a tryer. I'm but a girl. And on that note, gotta go have some tea. So bye-bye, everybody. Bye-bye. This audio was brought to you by Manveer Dob and Asya Iftikar. We don't know much, to say the least. But if you would like to share your thoughts, knowledge, criticisms, fan mail, then pop us an email at audaciousaunties at gmail.com.